Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. For this river that comes an ocean Before you pick my heart back off the floor Reconsider my foolish notion Well, it takes a strong man, baby, but I'm showing you the door Cause you gotta have faith mm, You gotta have faith Cause you gotta have faith, the faith, the faith I gotta have faith, the faith, the faith for a moment, I was like, is that from Moana? <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to get to the chorus. I started halfway through. The, I don't even know. That's a hard... You gotta have... That song is great. It's, it, you're right. During the verse, I was like, this is really familiar, but I don't yeah. know. And then you're like, you gotta have... I'm like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I know exactly what this song is. R.I.P. George Michael. Yeah. All right. Enough about that. Do, 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 do. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. We we have paid tribute to George Michael today. I'm glad. You're a good guy, man. All right. Uh, hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, this is the second episode of the new year, but this is the first time we're recording in the new year. So happy 2017, everybody. We're looking to have a good one. We're back. We're back. Uh, before we get into the show, uh, this is going to be a great episode, by the way. Josh scripted this one up and... Uh, it's kind of a throwback to our second episode ever. It is. It's called Machiavellian Machinations. It is a politics episode. You know what? There was one point in time I thought we'd be talking about politics like every other show. Yeah, and me too. <laughs> I was looking back and I was like, we have not talked about politics in a long time. And there was a Twitter conversation about some of this stuff. And I was like, episode two, we did Sun Tzu's Art of War. But we never talked about sort of the companion book in my mind to that, which is called The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli. Yeah. So we're going to get into a very famous manuscript about political philosophy and how it uh, pertains to EDH. Mm -hmm. But first, check out our sponsor, cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. That's the affiliate link. In fact, 
Jimmy. Oh. We got an exciting email from Card Kingdom. It's a time for a contest and to win some prizes. And this prize is crazy awesome. You're going to want to win it. Yeah, so they are giving away, just like they did with Kaladesh, every single uh, one of the inventions from Ether Revolt. So you can win every single Ether Revolt invention, one copy of each. All you have to do is pre-order a box from CardKingdom.com, and this contest goes until January 23rd, so you have about two weeks from the release of this episode. I mean... That's a crazy awesome deal because you're probably going to get a booster box anyway. You might as well have a shot to win one of every single one of the inventions. There's, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's I, I want to enter. I don't think we can, I don't think we're allowed to, but I no. want to. I mean, hey, maybe you can open invention in the box, <laughs> win 24 new inventions. I mean, the thing is, like, it, there's no other place I think I would pre order a box if they have something like this going on. This seems like an awesome uh, way to hike your EV through the roof. Yeah, so make sure to use the uh, affiliate link again, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Order a booster box because you want every one of the inventions. Yeah. Another way to support the show is to go to Patreon, patreon.com slash command zone, and you can directly support us there. There's all kinds of different uh, reward levels, I mm -hmm. suppose. You can set monthly caps so that even if you're at the $2 level, but you only want to spend a total of $8 in a month, you can make sure that, you know, if a fifth episode comes out, you don't get charged for it. You just cap it at $8. Mm -hmm. Very easy to control all of that stuff. And also, we have we are going to call out a patron every single episode. Yeah. So this episode is... Amanda Holdridge. Hello, Amanda. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for being a part of our patron. Uh, Patreon, because you are a patron of the show, you are helping sponsor and create some awesome content. For example... We just released another gameplay video, Game Nights Episode 2, lovingly crafted and edited by Josh Lee Kwai, lovingly not really played by me. <laughs> it's a great episode, though. There's tons of really fun interactions in there, and the response has been really good. I think people really enjoyed seeing uh, someone play a really combo-heavy deck, someone go off with a, a new partner commander. So make sure you guys go to youtube.com slash Podcast to check that out. Yeah, and something I will say too is if you can share the video because it's a new series for us and a lot of people don't know mm -hmm. that we have that as a series. So it's great if you can share that series on your social medias with your friends and make sure to hit that, that subscribe button also. Yeah, I would like to issue a challenge to all of our listeners that may not go to our YouTube site Go and check Game Nights out. It is 100% worth your time if you want to see us play a game of Commander. I know a lot of you have asked for it before. We know the numbers of people that listen to our podcast and the number of views on the video, and they don't match right now. So I want to see that number climb up, and that means if you're sitting in your car right now when you go home or on your phone when you have a chance, youtube.com slash podcast. The link will also be in the description here and everywhere else, and you can just go and watch the episode. And one more plug for it, too. Some people will be thinking, ah, oh, magic gameplay, it's not for me. I've seen it. We don't do it like anybody else. I promise, if you don't like other magic gameplay, you have a really good chance to like this. There's yeah. a way that we're doing it that's, you just got to check it out. Yeah, two games in 30 minutes, I'll say that much. All, All right. right, let's go on to our main topic, Machiavellian machinations. A lot of M's in there. I was just thinking about that Nahiri card, Nahiri's machinations, because we were just debating at the beginning of the show before we hit record <laughs> whether people would know what these two words mean. What well, do they mean? <laughs> we already explained that The Prince is the book, and it's by Niccolo, Niccolo Machiavelli. Um, it's a famous political ma manuscript mm -hmm. from, I think, the year 1532. So it's about almost 600 years old now. But similar to The Art of War, which is even way more ancient than that, it's still read and studied today by politicians, Fortune 500 CEOs, people like that. So let's cover what the term Machiavellian means really quick. Mm -hmm. It has come to mean the employment of cunning and duplicity 
in statecraft, or in general conduct. It's often represented by a cynical disregard for morality and a focus on self-interest and personal gain. So you might hear somebody sort of accusing someone else of being Machiavellian. Mm -hmm. Pulling the strings for themselves. Manipulating, having, you know, being willing to compromise their own moral standards or the normal moral standards. Yeah. And this is usually a derogatory term when used in life, but in a game like Commander, which is sort of like Risk or Axis and Allies or something like that, where you're playing basically like kind of like a country is how I look at it. Right. And you need to come out on top at the end in the game. Machiavellian tactics can be very, very, they can be advantageous in a lot of ways. Yeah, and the the cynical disregard for morality, I think, applies to Commander in that, like, you killed a creature, you path to exile the monster. Like, these were moral choices maybe for inside the world of the game, but it's not like you're going up to your friend and, like, making them do something, you know, like, by blackmailing them in real life. We're talking about stuff in the game here. So it, it does apply, and the moral disregard isn't as, I guess, relevant and that's a couple of disclaimers that we should say, and that leads into one of them re- very well, which is, remember, we're thinking about politics as, like, you're playing a character in the game of Commander. It's not necessarily, like, when I play Commander, it's not, everything that I do isn't reflected upon Josh the person. It's a reflected upon Josh the Commander player. So mm-hmm. there's a necessity of compartmentalizing the game in a certain aspect and to be able to use political tricks like this. And we've talked about it in some of our earlier episodes um, about how we view commander and playing commander and playing games in general as almost like sort of putting a mask on and playing a character yeah you're not going to use the same like sort of politics about gaming outside in your real life that often like i'm not going to threaten like oh if you're not going to go out to lunch with me oh well she's i'm going to hold then i won't drive you home (laughs) yeah like yeah that's a really good i think that's a great example of how games are different than uh real life so we want to make sure that that's clearly stated because some people have an aversion to the politics in the game but i think they don't have an ability to compartmentalize the game and you really should to be able to take advantage of some of these tactics and really understand and not be personally affronted by the way people act when they are playing commander yep Uh, and these are machiavelli's thoughts and all of his writings they're not ours so you guys can also feel free to disagree with him if you don't agree obviously uh and because it's 1532 he structures everything with he's and in the male pronoun but this applies to everyone obviously so we're quoting him often in this and sometimes he very often most of the time he'll use the male pronoun so for that we apologize um all right let's just step into the first quote and it's the the most famous quote from the entire book Mm mm-hmm Machiavelli states that it is much safer to be feared than loved. And he goes on to expand upon this. He says, if you cannot be both feared and loved, then it is better to be feared. People will break ties of love if it is to their advantage. But fear of punishment, they will never transgress. So this is a very important thing to think about in the game of Commander because we're often in, a, in instances where we can help people or we can hurt people or we can project a certain posture, and the posture mm-hmm. can be, "Don't do that to me. I will make bad. I will make it bad for you if you do." Right. And what Machiavelli, I think, is saying that in general, if you have the choice between those two things, you should choose to be, the, to have somebody fear you a little bit. Yeah, and I think the other option in Commander is often like, "Look, look, don't do this. I'm going to do this thing that helps out you." Uh, but in the case of Magic, it's often you're going to help out everyone, or the amount that you help someone out isn't significant enough to like stop someone from worrying about like are you gonna help me out here when this creature is about to make me sacrifice five permanents like what are you actually going to do to help me out and also like that help can easily get taken advantage of later on in the game because 
if that help only lasts once, but something that someone's afraid of can last for a much longer time. Yeah, that I think that last point is really, really well stated. And and that's the important part about it is and and Machiavelli says right there, in sort of times of trouble, people will look the other way even if they like or or love quote unquote love something. Mm-hmm. But in times of trouble, they'll still be scared of the things they were scared of. That yeah. won't that won't have changed. So uh, I, I really like this quote. It does show that sort of cynical disregard for morality, though. Yeah. <laughs> that Machiavelli is known for. Hold the world in your yeah. hands. Be feared. But this next thing that he states is shows the careful line that you have to walk. So mm-hmm. the next quote is a prince. Remember, the book's called The Prince. So he's he's talking to some Medici princes. Uh, Medici family was a was a very powerful family yeah, in, in Italy at the famous. time. Yeah. So a prince must be careful not to make himself hated even though he is feared. Aha. Yeah, that is a really delicate line. Because if you're just the guy running around throwing threats, people are going to not like you for that. And it's also important to know which type of things in the game will get you feared, but which types will push that into hatred. So Machiavelli Mm -hmm. says that one of the best ways for a a prince to avoid assassination or conspiracy... Conspiracy? Yeah, is to not be hated. So... Because he states that a prince is easily assassinated by anyone who is willing to die to accomplish the goal. Mm. This is something I do a lot. Not a lot, but I do pull it out from time to time, which is what I call the blood feud. (laughs) You've seen it a few times. This is when somebody goes into the realm of hated. And I decide that, like, you know what? I don't care if I die now. But you've done something that now you've fallen into the quote-unquote hated. Remember, we're in-game. I don't hate the person. But the way that they're playing, I need to make a very strong statement against. And because I'm willing to lose a few games, quote unquote, willing to die, mm-hmm. to get back at them for that because they've they've fallen on the wrong side of this fear-hate thing. And so I'll declare a blood feud. And so I've done this a few times where somebody, I'm like, you know what? You attacked me first like the last four or five games. That's just unacceptable. I'm this gonna will not stand, dude. Yeah, and I'll just let them know. I, you got blood feud for three games. Like I'm just <laughs> kamikazing you for three games. I'm gonna pull out whatever my my meanest deck is, and I'm just gonna point at you to the. I'm gonna ignore everybody else because I'm I'm gonna try to assassinate you. I am willing to die to to send this message. Yeah, and guess what that person becomes after uh, after the blood feud. They become a lot more fair in my mind. Yeah, and afraid as well yeah. of being like, shoot, like there are consequences for me not really thinking through with my actions or for doing something that doesn't make logical sense to people at the board. Like there is the player that is just like, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway. And the best way to stop that person from just having that lackadaisical look at it is to show them that, no, there are consequences for what happens in this game because we're playing multiple games. This isn't the only game. And also... For you and me, it's like we played enough games where losing a few is not going to upset us in the way that it did maybe in the first. It's almost fun sometimes. I'm like, okay, good. We're in blood feud mode. This is great because now I won't have to think for a few games. Yeah, you know, and and this is, I think, something that's a that's a sort of a macro level. Um, but on a more micro level, it can happen within the game too, where all of a sudden I, we've seen it where a person's not even trying to win the game anymore. They don't care. They just want to get back at the person who did the thing that they really don't like. You played an Iona on them. That'll put you into hate. You oh, know, yeah. Sometimes definitely. Blood Moon will do it. Sometimes... What do you mean Blood Moon will do it? So I'm just saying certain no, cards, you know, yeah. <laughs> so you have to be careful to keep their fear, but not gain their hate. Yeah. And sometimes it's a card that does it. Sometimes it's a play style that does it. Sometimes it's continued action that does it. So I think the big thing, too, is that, like, sometimes people don't even lose the game to accomplish the blood feud. Sometimes it's going to be like, you three for one yourself. You use three cards to get rid of one thing. But at the end of it, you went, worth it. Yep. 
because of whatever screw that happened. guy yeah screw that interaction screw whatever happened screw the fact that i made a really reasonable argument and still lost out on this or whatever and each person is going to be different with where their line is and and navigating that is one of the fun things about politics is going well you know i know craig and i know jimmy and i know kessler and each one i can sort of push in slightly different amounts and in different directions without mm -hmm. sort of igniting this sort of like okay fine i'm just going after you type of deal and yeah and that's one of the interesting things and fun things about politics is like each person and trying to figure out where that is. And that that's a chess game that's happening sort of like above the, the gameplay board. Yeah, I would encourage friend groups really to keep this in mind more than just random strangers because taking a blood feud out on somebody yeah. at once isn't going to be... You can't blood feud somebody that you're only just playing at a GP, <laughs> right? You're not... what They don't care. They're not going to play with you again. It's just weird. Yeah. But yeah. you can say, <laughs> but you can say, you know what? I'm kamikazing you, man. You ain't winning. I ain't winning, but neither are you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can do stuff like that. Um, yeah. All right, the third quote. Oh, this one. I, I have to read this because this is my place. That's why I didn't read it. I was like, well, this is Jimmy needs to read this one. <laughs> Above all, he, or the prince, the princess, the royalty, the player you, must refrain from seizing the property of others because a man is quicker to forget the death of his father than the loss of his patrimony patrimony is your property it's actually mm -hmm. inheritance but it, it, a man is quicker to forgive the death of his father than the loss of his property basically <laughs> yeah which is an interesting very cynical again uh disregard for morality this that, totally applies to like the prince you know like because like oh great you're gonna ascend the throne now cool you don't care about your dad dying you yeah know, that kind of whole <laughs> old 1500s that look so this is an interesting philosophical thing to realize and and you could look at it literally which is be wary of stealing other people's stuff but really, because there's there's this weird thing, and I think once you hear it said out loud, you're like, yeah, that kind of is true, but it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. That stealing something from somebody is actually sort of worse than destroying it to yeah. the person that it got stolen from. They almost It's like a personal affront. It's, you took my thing, and now I'm getting beat by my, the card that I yeah. bought. I put in my deck. I sleeved that up myself. I would way rather you just exiled it or killed it. Yeah. So it's somehow worse. Now, I... I that's interesting to think about, but I, I think what's even more interesting is just the idea that certain actions in the game are going to be seen sort of on a scale of how angry it makes somebody at you. Mm -hmm. And destroying their stuff is actually kind of low, on depending on what it is, but right. in It's something general, you come to expect yeah. in the Commander game. Every... When I build a deck now, I look at the cards and go, am I okay with this being blown up? If not, do I need to find ways to protect it? Otherwise, it's probably going to die at some point. And, I, and you love stealing other people's stuff. I like it less, but I still do it. I just, when I do it, I make sure that I can handle that player because I know that the response I'm going to get from them is going to be greater than if yeah. I just path to exile it or something. And so I think that's really what Machiavelli is saying here, which is more of just beware when you do it, not don't do it. Yeah. Which he's not saying don't steal people's stuff. And it's, well, he didn't know about Commander, but... <laughs> Um, he's playing commander his whole life. Yeah, but he's just saying you have to know the psychology of what happens when you do steal somebody's thing and where it sits on that scale of how angry it's going to make them. Yeah, also, this is great politicking for you to let someone else know, like, look, I may have destroyed your Kozilek or your Ulamog, but so-and-so stole this thing, hit you twice with it. Like, really, who is who has who has affronted your kingdom more? Preach on. So this is great, and I love this part of the game, which is that if people don't know, the politics is absolutely my favorite part of the game. Yeah. I like the cards and everything, but the politics is the best. And so I like that strategy of like, you know, I destroyed something, but this guy stole something. And to play that up to the person to remind them that it's much worse that their thing got stolen is just a very 
powerful type of move to make in the politics in commander so yeah and it's not it's also like it's a legitimate thing to say if someone if someone turns you and's like i'm gonna initiate a blood feud with you it's like hold on do you really want to do it with me right now like over a small thing that just happened like let's think bigger scale because it's very easy to get caught up in like the moment of politics i like how this leads into the next quote so the next quote is he who believes that new benefits will cause great personages to forget old injuries is deceived so dun, if you dun, dun. think that you do something nice to somebody and it will make them forget something bad you did to them earlier, you're wrong, <laughs> according to Machiavelli. People don't forget that they were wronged. And so this has to do with that little scale I was talking about earlier that I think everyone keeps throughout the game, right? It's like you have the, each person's name and it's sort of like a graph and how be, what they've done to you. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of, it affects like who you're going after, who like in default situations, who you might attack or or harm in some way. And definitely the guy who stole my thing is going to be a higher on that list than somebody who just destroyed it. At the same time, somebody who helped me will maybe be slightly low, l- lowered on that list, but I will not forget the mean things they did to me either. Yeah. It's like if they're on that list and uh, every time they do something nice, like it's like, okay, you got that nice thing there. You got this. It's still, the bad thing still happened. And if you're going down the list, like throughout the game, it's like, all right, I won't swing at you this time because you did a nice thing. Guess what? You just negated that. And he's one, that person's one step closer to the bad thing and they'll eventually come back and go after you. There's some things that happen where it just feels so unfair that I'm just waiting for a chance to get back at the person. There was <laughs> the, for uh, I think the first episode of Game Nights where you had decimated three of my things out of oh, the yeah. four things you can decimate. And my only thought that game was like, that decimate... <laughs> I am going to pay him back, and I'm going to remind him why. And it took a while, but it finally got there, yeah. Yeah, and if it didn't happen that game, I was hoping to hold on to it for at least another game at some point. <laughs> because I was like, why three of mine? That's not that's not cool. you know. And so that is a thing. That's the psyche of, especially certain people have a more of an affinity towards keeping that kind of a grudge than others. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I'm high on that list. But just, again, I don't think Machiavelli is telling you not to do great harm or not to harm somebody and not to give benefit to somebody. It's just to know, because you, you're trying to predict what their scales are at, right? As mm-hmm. far as where they've got each person. One of the things I say, and I've noticed this, a quick aside, editing the Game Nights videos is very self-reflexive for me because I'm watching myself oh, yeah. play constantly. Are you getting to be a better player faster than I don't than know. Everyone else? It's definitely pointing out things like, oh man, I do that a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, oh, why did I do that? I shouldn't do that. Um, so maybe it's making me better. Could be making me worse. I don't, it could be just making me more um, uh, aware of things that maybe aren't that important, but they're just exacerbated by the fact that I'm right. watching this footage over. Anyway. Well, it's like listening to the podcast. It's like, wow, I say uh and like a thousand times per episode. Great. It's funny because <laughs> I listen to, oh boy, we're just full of asides. Bear with us for a second. I listened to our second episode, the Sun Tzu episode, because of this, ep- this episode we're doing now is, is similar, but that was... 139 episodes ago (laughs) and man we're not good at podcasting then i mean we're still fine but you guys just for fun if you have time out there you might want to go listen to episode two and just how we sound (laughs) (laughs) i was like so we have improved by a vast amount jimmy okay sweet sweet okay so as i was saying uh part of not just keeping your own scales and your own priority list of who's you know you're going after and what the rights and wrongs they've done to you throughout the game There's also considering what I'm trying to predict what Jimmy's list looks like right now, what those scales look like, what his his graphs look like, and and Craig's and Kessler's. And that helps me determine how worried I need to be about stuff on the board. 
Yeah. So, for instance, here's something that goes a little both ways. So, you know that Craig and I have had a very long history of just sometimes just having random blood feuds with each other, sometimes for no reason. Uh, like, we, we played a conspiracy draft once where Craig milled me out with a crazy combo. Twice. Twice. Two games in a row. Two games in a row. No reason. <laughs> One was on, like, turn three, too. Yeah. And it caused me to stand up and throw my cards on the table. Like, that was how ridiculous it was. So, knowing this going into a game, Josh will know that there's already an elevated tension between myself and Craig and that the chance for something to happen there is much more likely. So, you can play into that. At the same time, because Craig and I have known each other forever, that tension can also go the other way where it's instant allies yep. without even saying anything right so there's always like knowing those personal connections really help going into a game because you know the style they're playing what they're going to do and hopefully you can work around that and use it to your advantage 100 percent. so um all right where were we because i lost my this place. guy this guy's this is a very interesting quote oh yeah this is again the um cynical disregard for morality mm -hmm. okay so machiavelli says men ought to be treated kindly or annihilated for they can avenge themselves of lighter injury but cannot do so for greater ones therefore the injury that is to be done to a man ought to be as such a kind that one does not stand in fear of revenge this is a really a quote that i live by in commander yeah uh Wait, i don't you're gonna treat me kindly or annihilate me i don't know yeah i don't <laughs> tend to pick small fights yeah it's true i don't tend to like peck away at someone with a small yeah creature. Or, or or just destroy that creature even though it's a consecrated sphinx or something that's good like i don't want to actually start to fight them unless i'm willing to annihilate them unless i'm going to knock them out mm -hmm. and now sometimes the game dictates that you can't do that but in general i don't like to be the guy that's just sort of like little answers all around right you know i like to be the guy that's like okay boom i'm coming after you and you better put your dukes up because it's going to be full on and one of us is getting knocked out and then right. I'm only entering that battle when I think you're probably a little weakened, you know, got into a little tangle with somebody else, or you're that person that's been using your resources all over the board, and I can point all mine at you. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good idea if someone, for instance, has 20 cards in their hand and a reliquary tower, so they don't have to discard, and you go, I'm going to pick a fight with you, but not a really big one, just enough to, like, push the hornet's nest off to the side and... I just see what happens. Yeah, and make sure all the hornets are coming at me. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. If you're going to do it, you want to cut the hornet off. You want to get that out of there. You want to disable them to the point where either they're just, you've won the game by killing them or they can't retaliate. And the retaliation, I think, is really important because that's, again, the blood feud. Yeah. If you're, if you're going against a strong enemy, you better make sure that you can cripple their defenses or cripple them in a way that you won't be taken out as a result. Yeah, you need to, like Machiavelli says, it has to be of a kind that one does not stand in fear of revenge. So they are yeah. so hobbled or completely knocked out that you don't have to then be worried that they're going to come get you back. Yeah, that's why three-player games, I think, are really troublesome because if two players go against each other like that, they both disable each other. The third player that... Just sort of default wins. Yeah, they're like, great, thanks, yeah. other battling nations, for destroying your armies in the war. <laughs> I'll just mop this up and then yeah. take over everybody. This is great. Um all right, go ahead. And uh, never attempt to win by force what can be won by deception. I like this, too. This is a very, actually, Sun Tzu type of quote. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sun Tzu was all about the art of war. I'd say Machiavelli is more about sort of the brute force nature of, like, this is reality. This is how it works. Yeah, very, um, yeah, I think totally. Um, yeah, and we've talked about this concept a lot on the show, but it's just nice to see that, like, Machiavelli is falling in line with some of the other philosophies, um, which is... The idea that if you can accomplish something in game, and and force here, I'm gonna I'm gonna use cards and resources in the game as force. 
and deception I'm going to use as politics and social interaction and talking. Mm -hmm. And how many times have we said, well, if I can destroy a creature by talking, why would I ever use a card? Yeah. Because that takes mana and a, a resource I have a limited amount of. And, and interaction with people socially, I have an unlimited interaction of. And so I should, when I can, try to get somebody else to use their card on that thing. Yeah. 100%. It's like getting an extra card in your hand. Yeah. And, and extra mana. taking a card from somebody else. Yeah. And getting Craig and Jimmy to be antagonistic to each other because Craig's the one that destroyed his creature, not me. Unless you point out that it was all you that was pulling the strings to begin with. <laughs> I ah, mean, the trump card. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this next one's an interesting one. It's a little bit long. Stay with me here. This is, a, this is from the quote. What physicians say about consumptive illness? That at the beginning, such an illness is easy to cure but difficult to diagnose. But as time passes, not having been recognized or treated at the outset, it becomes easy to diagnose but difficult to cure. And he's talking in regards to the need to de deal with developing political problems early and mm -hmm. not wait. Yeah, I'd say creating an ally early is going to last you a lot longer. It's sort of like, again, like the cleaning of the, the, you've done a good deed, a good deed, but at the very end of it, there's a bad deed that started all off that you're trying to like fix. If you start with a good deed and add the bad deeds to the top, it's easier to sort of erase the, the bad things later on and keep the unity of your friendship or alliance, whatever, if you started it off good in the beginning. I also, in the game, and this is something people are going to be nodding as soon as I start to say it, which is we've seen this all the time. You're playing. Two other players start to ally up. Mm -hmm. In a, most games, I've noticed people just sit there and they just take it. Yeah, that's... Nah. That's an that's alliance a... that's going to hurt you. Yeah. So you have to start dealing with it early. And, and and by starting to deal with it early, that doesn't mean you have to not you have to stop that alliance from happening right now. But you have to call it out, pay it, you know, point attention to it, mm -hmm. maybe start to ally with the other person, or start to be like in our last game nights video, there was this awesome moment where Craig and Jimmy actually shook hands over the table. And at the very next possible instant that I could, I pointed out. But then Jimmy just stole something from you, Craig. He stole your Thrown Dynamo because my goal, break up that alliance. She said it worked. <laughs> Craig was going to lose the game, and he decided to kill his allies <laughs> instead of you for some reason. He's like, Jimmy, I'll swing at you for five. I'm like, no. You stole his thing, man. We know that people don't forget when you steal their yeah. stuff. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and I should have pointed out that obviously Craig had 20 mana, and now he had 17. So, like, really, what's the, what's the loss? Yeah. No. <laughs> but, but again, so look for those instances because you have to play political defense sometimes. And so when things are stopped, and, and not just alliances, there's any kind of politics around the table, which is somebody mm -hmm. convincing somebody else to do something is usually politics, even if it's not a, a handshake deal. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and just sitting there and doing nothing is often not the correct response, or at least at the next possible point that you can, that you have, like, something happens, make sure that you start to throw, you know, you start to cut away at their alliance or, or the things they've been saying or, or, or anything that you can, because the longer you wait, the stronger it can kind of get. Yeah, the easy to diagnose but difficult to cure part of this is really true. Like, at the end of the game, it's like, gosh, well, look, he went off and he did all this stuff. What can we do now? It's like, yeah. we only have a couple of outs. It's like, well, because he was protected in the beginning, he made the alliances or whatever, or that person now has the board state that we let that person have. Yeah, that's really great. And the idea of, like, at a certain point, the problem that you're having is not what's happening now. It's things that happen four or five turns earlier. Mm -hmm. There's that great proverb about like the great doctor in the world and this family goes to him with their sick child and says, 
you know, can you heal this, our kid? And he says, oh, you have to go to my brother. He's even better doctor than me. And they go, okay. And they go to the brother and, and he goes, oh, you have to go to my brother and he's even better than I am. And they're like, why have we never heard of your brother or you? And, but we heard of your other brother, who's supposedly the third worst. And the guy goes, oh, well, because my brother curses people when they're already sick. But my other brother, but mm-hmm. the one who's even better than I, he cures people before they get sick. <laughs> there you go. I want to cure it before it gets sick. Yeah. All that right. That kid probably didn't make it, by the way. They Me, traveled. He late. was already sick. Like, think about when this story took place. Like, they probably had to ride. I in, probably like, told a, the a, proverb wrong. Like a carriage to get there. <laughs> like that travel is tough. Probably days at a time. Like malnourished, weak from traveling. Hey, sorry, guys. It's a sad story. That's a really sad story. Man, I'm sad now. <laughs> All right, more Machiavelli. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, he who causes another to become powerful ruins himself. This definitely ties into the other one. Um, it, it's, this is tough. This is why I think group hug decks just really struggle. They're fun to play, and I think they can win. It's not that they can't. It's just that they're hard. Yeah, because of these things. Yeah. It's like, hey, someone, <laughs> for instance, you could say, like, sometimes it's like, oh, we let them have a Consecrated Sphinx for five turns, and that ended the game. Back in the day, it was we let them have Prophet of Crucifix for two turns, and that won them the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you cause something else to be powerful either by helping them, by playing an Urborg when they need a black mana, for instance, or by not removing their creatures in time, or by not telling the table that something had to be done when you couldn't do it. You know, there are lots of different ways to empower other players, and you do end up being on the bad end of the stick because you're either spending cards to help them out or you're not able to catch up. Yeah, and I think this idea that there that is a zero sum game, the amount of power in in the in the one game of commander, right? So if somebody's rising in power, everybody else is falling in power. And so if you give help to somebody, that directly takes away from the amount of power you've got because there's only a certain amount of power that the entire table can have. Mm-hmm. I have a general philosophy that it's preferable if I'm helping someone to be subtractive rather than additive. So rather than give something to somebody I'm helping, I'd rather take away something that's hurting them. And that way I've subtracted power from somebody else in order to give power to somebody. But I'm still sort of even power level, hopefully. Yeah. But it's in general, I find it way worse to be like, Jimmy needs help. I give him something. Because now I've just added. So I've taken away from everybody except for the person I added to. Um, it's I guess that's kind of a little bit pie in the sky like you don't always have those choices but it, philosophically i find that helpful to just think in that way when i'm playing the game yeah it's it's definitely it's tough because it's really easy i find in games to let someone go off because it's either like well i have this ace in the hole but i can't use it if like for instance you're gonna go infinite but it's not in a way that is gonna kill me it's gonna kill someone else I'm not going to do anything about it. It's like that problem is going to still be there by the time it gets back to that person. If you can't actually deal with it, you need to deal with it earlier rather than later. All right. Getting near the end here. So uh, the next one. One who tries to be good all the time is bound to come to ruin among uh, the great number who are not good. Hence, a prince who wants to keep his authority must learn how to not be good and use that knowledge or refrain from using it as necessity requires. I put under this, can you break your word without them knowing it? You do this all the time, I, th- I think. Yeah, it's tricky. And people don't realize it. It's really, really tricky, but it's pretty strong. It's very strong. And you have to know that you have to be able to. Now, I've, I've, I've talked many times on the show about how you have to be trustworthy and people have to be able to trust you. And the fine line you have to walk is that sometimes you need to structure things and agreements in such a way that you can break them 
And because otherwise you're just going to give away a bunch of games where you're like, well, I made a promise. And yeah. so now I just have to let them win. That's not the type of promises that you that you need to make. Yeah, we do this a lot where it's like, look, give me a turn without attacking me. One turn, one turn cycle. And the person's like, okay, fine. And you don't attack them, you cast Path to Exile on something. Yeah. Like, I didn't break the terms, we agreed to this. And it's very hard often. I mean, like... The next time, the person might be like, one turn where you don't do anything to me or whatever, you know. But And sometimes you have to go, I can't make that yeah, promise. Yeah, I can't make then. that promise. Yeah, like, sorry. what if something happens? And, like, it, these are all legitimate arguments because it's, like, true. Like, what if you are about to go and win the game in the turn? I'm not going to keep that promise. Like, so I can't make that promise. I think the next quote really is part of this discussion. So let's read it, and then we can sort of talk about the two together. Sure. Merciful, faithful, humane, religious, and upright. It is not essential that a prince should have all the good qualities which I have enumerated, but it is most essential that he should seem to have them. Think about that. Machiavelli is saying, you know, I'm not going to list all the things, but basically being good, you don't have to be good. You just have to seem to be good. Yeah. We see this a lot in American politics, for sure, especially the religious thing, where every one of our politicians is religious. That's ridiculous. It can't possibly be true. <laughs> but it's just helpful for them to do to, to, to posture that way. And so, because they know there's no downside to seeming to be that way. And so, yeah. even if you act in a way that is contrary to that, you can still deflect it by claiming to be those things, those good things, merciful, faithful, blah, blah, blah. And this is very helpful and one of the ways that you can sort of get around doing, quote unquote, bad things in a game, things that people don't like. Um, so, in reference to, like, having to break your promise, which we were just talking about, Listen, there are going to be games where you kind of have to because otherwise you just have to give a free win to somebody. And in those situations, a lot of times what can help you is explaining it in a way that makes you seem reasonable. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, well, boy, I didn't think about this possibility that's going to happen when I made that deal with you. So I'm sorry, but I have to stop you. Yeah. Even though it's going to break the terms of our deal. Then a lot of people... A lot of times, because you're usually dealing with reasonable people, they'll give you the break. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, all right. You know, they won't like it, but they won't not trust you forever. Yeah, and it's pretty reasonable to expect that if you're going to try to win the game, that other players are going to try and stop you. That's just how winning works. <laughs> it's true. Um, but also just doing anything in the game can be seen as sort of, you can paint it. A lot mm -hmm. of this is spin. Machiavelli existed in 1532, but he would have been great in these days where political spin is so important and how you present yourself and what your publicist says and what, you, what your, you know, your press releases, how they're worded. Yeah. He would have been great at that. Um, so I have this good story from, uh, from, this, from over Christmas. So I was in San Diego with my cousin Ryan and some of his friends. Oh, gosh. John, Andre, Mike, and Tristan, I think. And we were playing in a game, and <laughs> somebody cast a winner orb. I think it was Mike. Castle Winter Orb, which only allows people to untap one land during each of their uh, If untappings. Winter Orb is untapped. <laughs> now, that's the key. If Winter Orb is untapped. I was playing my Tim deck, and I had a creature that could tap a permanent. So what I ended up doing was tapping the permanent directly after Mike's turn on his end step so that everyone else could untap except Mike. And by doing this, I hurt Mike, but I also was like, I sold it to the table as... Don't you think that is poetic justice that the only player hurt by the winner orb is the person who <laughs> had the guts to cast it? Now, I'm doing something that's not nice to Mike, and yet even Mike was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is poetic justice. So you do a thing, and then you 
use your PR team and your publicist to paint it in the way of, you know, this is why I'm doing it. This this makes sense to everybody in their head, and you seem humane, and you seem, you know, yeah. kind and upright. Hey, but it turns into a good story, too, right? That's a good story. That was my... I, I was like, it is correct that I am pun- punishing the very player that played the winner orb. Yeah, and that's the thing. is like, it's very hard for every player to be like, well, even though you're spinning it in a positive way for yourself, I get it one tap. <laughs> so, uh, sure, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess as another player, if you see this instance happening, it's kind of up to you to decide how convinced you want to be by the story as well. Because at the end of the day, yeah, Josh is saving everyone else by letting you untap for all your stuff. But you could have also had an artifact removal spell in your hand that you could have done it as well. You know, so like there are other. Maybe it doesn't even hurt you that much. Yeah, exactly. You could be a deck that doesn't care about untapping lands in this how case. Is, how much exactly do you owe somebody in that situation? And I think the first step to determining that is realizing that somebody is using their publicist and their PR team on you. Yeah. Um, I mean, here's the thing. If it saves your game entirely, but the person that's doing the publicizing doesn't actually make that known, doesn't be like, hey, like, Ryan, look what I did, man. This is, are you, like, I, I know you just... Like, don't attack me. Don't attack me. This is your new deck. You, I'm letting you play it. Like, look at really who's doing this to you. You know, like that, it's, it's hard to argue against. But if it's just like, well, okay, I, I have like 80 mana rocks, so I don't really care about the winner orb then you shouldn't be as convinced by the argument. And if it comes down to it, you can make that argument if you were deciding to swing against Josh or if he's doing something that's about to be super busted. Yep. Did you win the game? Uh, yeah. How? Um, oh, boy. It was Tim deck, so I think... Infinite pings? Oh. <laughs> I think what happened is I got um, Mercurial Chemister out, and I had like a way to basically untap it infinitely, and I had like a bajillion cards, and I just... I think that's what happened. You just went do 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of murderous red capped. I think. I don't remember. You said hello to your little friend. Say hello to my little friend. You gotta watch Game Nights episode two because that's what we're talking about and it's pretty cool. Yeah. That might be my favorite part of the episode actually. I think it's my favorite part because it's a Scarface reference. Yeah. Good movie. All right. So that's gonna wrap up our Machiavellian machinations for today. It was fun to talk politics. We need to do this a little bit more. Yeah, and there's plenty of people in the history of the world that have written about politics and also like the state of war and how to fight battles and all that stuff. And it all applies in different ways, obviously, to Commander. So there are two episodes in our past that I would suggest checking out. I know we've had a lot of new viewers uh, over the last few months. And so two episodes that are more about the politics of EDH that I would recommend are episode number 43, which is called Politips and Politricks, and episode number two, which is called politics and rune but it's actually the sun Tzu art of war episode don't judge us too hard on episode two i think that the <laughs> content is still good and relevant it's yeah. just not presented maybe as polished as we would now it's still good i mean yeah. it would still be a very well polished podcast by by most standards just we've come so far since then it, it is it'll be fun for you to, to listen to that out there, yeah so. and in the future we'll probably do like an episode that's not politics and politics more like paula dean and Paula, Paula, just trying to think of other Paula names now. Another Paula, yeah, De Paula, pilot exemplar, yeah, De Paula tricks. Yeah, there you go. Um, Maybe I'll build that deck. Who knows? Uh, (laughs) To the listeners, obviously, we talked a lot about Machiavelli. So let us know if you guys have any favorite Machiavelli quotes that you just have lying around in your back pocket. Oh, if there's any other books on this subject, like like Art of War, The Prince that you think are very applicable to Commander and maybe mm-hmm. would be a good idea for us to cover in a future uh, episode like this, definitely shoot that at us. Yeah, and hey, have you guys seen Game Nights yet? 
Do you like it? One of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is because part of this recent game nights uh, was me sort of figuring out a way when telling the story to include a lot of the politics because Mm -hmm. that particular group, which was me, Jimmy Craig, and Kessler, have been playing together a lot. And so we have a a high level of comfort. And so there's a lot of table chatter. And that's part of the fun, I think, for all four of us is that interaction of like trying. So you can see the move counter move of me trying to do something and then Jimmy being like, no, I'm not letting Josh get away with that. And then <laughs> Kessler like interjecting like, I see what Jimmy's doing. And Craig's being like, who do I attack? Oh, crap. They're all talking to me. That's part of the fun of, of the game. And I, I, I put it in there a little bit. There's not a ton, but yeah. it's definitely part of the game. And it was fun to showcase. Yeah, I think the Avenger of Zendikar interaction was a good example of everyone being heavily involved with what happened at the table because their lives depended on it. Yeah. In fact, I caused it to happen. Kessler tried to stop it. You stole it. Like, it was yeah. everybody was involved. That was great. It's a very Machiavellian moment. <laughs> it totally was. All right. Make sure to check out our sponsor, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Use that affiliate link. Support the show. Order all your Ether Revolt, your sealed product, all the singles that you want. Definitely order Paradox Engine. Oh, my gosh. Just order it. <laughs> that card. You just, thought Jeskai Ascendancy was oh nuts. Oh, my Lord. Try a, a Jeskai Ascendancy that everyone can play in any spell triggers. Oh, yeah. true. It doesn't cost three different colors of man. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, boy. I mean, it's a little more expensive. Go to Card Kingdom but... right now. Order Paradox Engine. I'm just saying, like, that card is insane. Just saying. Yeah, for Commander players. It's like Panharmonicon level. Yeah, I think it's better. Oh, it's definitely better. And Panharmonicon, we both voted as the best EDH card from last <laughs> year. Either of us just like, hey, well, hey. let's one up that one immediately. <laughs> just right away. Yeah. Um, yeah, please, please go and check that out. Uh, also, our Ether Revolt um, review will be up next week. Uh, the cards are being spoiled a day after we record this. So, very exciting. Um, and, uh, yeah, hope you guys attend your pre-release events as well. Oh, man. Yeah, you weekend. know what? We should talk about that really quick because I think a lot of EDH players are casual players. They're kitchen table players, and they it's a little bit nerve-wracking the first time you're going to go to a store and play. It seems intimidating. It's kind of like walking into a casino and playing blackjack for the first yeah, time. Yeah, you have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know like what the rules are and how the people are going to be and blah, blah, blah. The pre-release is like such... It's actually my favorite type of Magic event. Mm-hmm. I'll put it above GP. I'll put it above... Any of other kind of tournament, even though GPs are awesome, pre-releases just have a certain vibe, and they're very chill. They're very laid back. Everyone's just there to have fun. People don't know the set very well, and there's not the prize pool's not super big, so winning losing doesn't even really matter. You just get to go, you get to play Magic, get a promo, open new packs. You get to play with all the new cards. You meet a bunch of people. We have people in our play group that we met at pre-releases, mm-hmm. and it's just I would highly recommend that people, if you haven't done it before. Make some time for a pre-release. Often, I won't even be able to go to the whole thing, but I'll still go for like the first couple of rounds just because they're that much fun. I try to to attend as many as possible. Um, I will be in San Francisco this weekend again. You're always up there for (laughs) pre-releases. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, yeah it's great uh, the <laughs> store i'll be at is anime imports so if you guys uh go there i'll be there all weekend sweet okay now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic and the cool thing i'm going to talk about today is uh in the world if, for all of us that play magic we do a lot of sitting and uh josh is an editor he does a lot of sitting i edit stuff Way as well too much we literally sit all day so one of the best things you can do in your life is buy something for your chair or just a better chair that will help improve your posture. Because if you're spending the majority of your time in a chair, 
then you want to make sure you're not doing this the whole time or so something that it. I know I am too. And, and it makes your neck like super hurt at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah. And like when you wake up in the morning, you'll carry all that tension and stuff. And like you're, you're so if you guys have a budget, uh, Herman Miller makes amazing chairs. If you don't have as large of a budget, go to Amazon and look up like lumbar support things. There are things oh, that will, you can add to your yeah, chair. Things that literally will strap you into the back of your chair and make you sit more upright. Uh, this is one of the best ways I think to increase the longevity of your life. And technology has gone to the point where Chairs will have this in mind when they're when they get built. So when you go out and if you're about to buy a new chair, make sure that you pay attention to this sort of stuff. What made you think of that as the end step? Is what I, I was wanna... looking at chairs in my office and thinking, <laughs> man, I bought a nice chair. There and are a lot was, of chairs out. It really helped my life this like past year. You know, like I don't stand up from and to go to lunch and feel ah oh, this hurts or whatever, and it makes a huge difference. And every year they keep making better chairs, so it's a cool thing outside the world of magic. All right, awesome. Good posture. You know what else is a cool thing, but it's inside the world magic? Oh. It's the Masters of Modern Podcast. Our sister podcast, Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You should check them out. They are at collected.company right next to us, which is our new magic hub. You can also follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. By the way, they their preview card oh, man. may be one of the best preview cards ever. I mean, I think it's, it's very good, and especially <laughs> since they're a modern podcast, and it's I think it's very strong and modern. Yeah, they, they consider it one of the top five removal spells in modern. It's competing against Path to Exile and Lightning Bolt. It's uh, below those, but it's still awesome. Yeah, so basically, you guys got to check them out. They obviously know what they're talking about. They got an awesome preview for Ether Revolt. Um, card's called Fatal Push, so yeah, make, sh- make sure you check them out. Make sure you also check out the work that our editor, Terry Robertson, does on the video versions of these podcasts as well as the audio. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash the command zone podcast to watch all of that as well as our gameplay videos as well as kitchen table fables as well as our patreon welcome video <laughs> nobody watches that one i know it's so sad maybe <laughs> we should republish that one too uh, <laughs> and uh jeffrey palmer uh, very kindly has provided the living card animations uh in those videos which you can find him on twitter at living cards mtg all right everybody thanks for listening and we will see you next time peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) Machiavellian machinations. That's a good name. People are going to read it and be like, what the hell? I don't know what either of those words mean. Yeah. That's what people are going to say. <laughs> no, they might know 13-year-old much. kids are going to be like, I don't know what either of those words Nahiri's mean. Nahiri's Machinations is a card, though, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So they'll, they'll know that. <laughs> uh, don't say magic doesn't teach anybody things. Yeah, they'll recognize it. <laughs> they don't know what it means, but it's on a card. Yeah. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.